I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Welcome back. Genesis chapter 25. This is going to be where we say goodbye to Abraham. Abraham had taken another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Midan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. The descendants of Dedan were the Asherites, the Letishites, and the Luamites. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanak, Abida, and Elda. All these were descendants of Keturah. Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. But while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zor the Hittite, the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife, Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son, Isaac, who then lived near Beer Lahai Roy. Now, this is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Ishmael, whom Sarah's slave, Hagar, the Egyptian, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael listed in the order of their birth. Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, Kedar, Abdubil, Adbil, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Massa, Hadad, Tamar, Jeter, Nephash, and Kedemah. These were the sons of Ishmael, and these are the names of the twelve tribal rulers, according to their settlements and camps. Ishmael lived 137 years. He breathed his last and died, and he was gathered to his people. His descendants settled in the area from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt, as you go toward Asher, and they lived in hostility towards all the tribes related to them. Well, at least Ishmael and Isaac were able to put aside their differences long enough to bury Abraham, as you can see up here in verse uh, 9. But there was still always hostility between Ishmael's descendants and Isaac's descendants. Some things you just can't overcome. Now, this is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Now, Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Paddan, Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless, hmm, just like his father, Abraham and Sarah. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Remember that prophetic word. The older will serve the younger. 
When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out, the older, was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau, means red. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Now, Jacob means he grasps the heel, which is a Hebrew idiom for he deceives. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Hmm. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if the source of this, Rebekah loved Jacob and Isaac loved Esau, is I'm wondering if Rebekah knew something that Isaac didn't. I, I don't see any record here of Rebekah informing Jacob what the Lord had told her, that the younger shall serve the older. I don't know if her preference towards Jacob was based on that, or it was also based on the fact that Esau seems to be a rough and rowdy, rough, tough, and hard to diaper, outdoorsy type son that the father would love. And Jacob was a more stay-at-home type, and therefore he'd become closer to his mother. I don't know. Don't know how that works. I know that when I was growing up, I used to think that my father preferred my older brother and my younger brother to me because they were very outdoorsy. My younger brother, Pat, and my older brother, Paul, uh, were very much rough and tough and hard to diaper individuals and very outdoorsy. And uh, I wasn't as much that way. I liked music. I liked school. Um, I was very different from my brother. So to a small, small, tiny degree, I can identify with what's going on here. Now, I won't say my mom preferred me over the others. That, That wasn't the issue. But I know what it's like to be different. Jacob was different. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. So he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That's why he's also called Edom. It means red. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Where did that come from? Again, I, I don't know if Rebecca and Isaac were as close as Abraham and Sarah were. I don't know if there's some machinations going on behind the scenes where Sarah's trying to manipulate things. We're going to see that in the next chap- couple chapters where she tries to manipulate things in uh, Jacob's favor. I don't know if Jacob knew that he was going to be, he was going to rise to ascendancy over his, over his brother Esau. Don't know. But Jacob's response was, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? Now, the birthright, that's the right of the eldest son. That's the right of the eldest son to inherit and take over from the father. When Abraham dies, it would have been Esau's place to take over as the elder, as the patriarch of the the clan, uh, inherit the wealth, uh, inherit the power and the name and the prestige, etc. 
look, I'm about to die. Esau said, what good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Now, the word despised comes from a word that means to scorn, ridicule, show contempt for. Apparently, Esau didn't think his father's place in society was that big a deal, was that cool to have. Was He didn't realize the honor that would go with ascending into his father's place when his father passed away. He despised his birthright. He didn't think anything of it. By despising his birthright, Esau held God's promises in contempt because that's part of the birthright. God had told Abraham, it's through Isaac, not Ishmael, it's through Isaac that the, that the world will be blessed. It's through Isaac that you become the father of many nations, out of which, and of course, we know will come Messiah. So the birthright meant nothing to Esau. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say the birthright meant anything to Jacob, but apparently it meant something to him because he was willing to try to convince Esau to sell it. Um, but, you know, this, this is just words. They swore an oath. It's going to be up to Isaac to pass on the blessing, the familial blessing and the inheritance and to honor the birthright of his eldest son. It's going to be up to Isaac to do that. And we're going to see in the next chapter where Jacob, the deceiver, and his mother, Rebecca, conspire to trick Isaac. So I'm just, this just makes me think that perhaps Isaac's household wasn't a very harmonious one. Um, there's lots of things going on here that just give me that vibe. And we're going to see how God can still salvage or save a situation. You know, as we're going through this story through the Old Testament, at every step along the way, God's plan was appears to be like a, a hair's breadth away from being destroyed by the enemy. Um, the wickedness of the people around Noah. Out of all the millions of people on the planet, Noah was the one that was righteous, one righteous family, one righteous man. We see in Abraham, through Abraham, God is going to bless. And we see through Isaac, God's going to bless. And yet, Isaac was an incredibly flawed individual. Abraham was a flawed individual. At any point along the way, this scarlet thread could have been shredded. And as I'm reading the story and I'm, I'm, re- I'm watching these things unfold and thinking on these things, I'm thinking back to when I was going through the book of Acts, how fragile a thing the early church was and how little it would seem it would take to totally destroy it and remove the testimony of God from the planet. But yet God always preserves a people, a remnant. 
In every generation, there's a remnant. Now we're looking at a story here. Isaac, son, Isaac apparently wasn't the tower of righteousness that his father Abraham was. At least that's my impression. And there's not right now much redeemable to be found in Jacob or Esau. Esau spit on his inheritance just so he could have a bowl of lentil stew. And Jacob is ready to deceive and trick and steal something very precious from his older brother. It looks like in this generation, there isn't anybody that's going to carry the scarlet thread on. That's the beauty of the story through the Old Testament. God always preserves a remnant. God's sovereignty is always front and center. So I will be back with you Monday, and we're going to continue the story of Jacob and Esau because it is a, it's a great story of the redemptive work of God in the life of someone who, by outside appearances, is unredeemable. Jacob hasn't impressed me so far. We'll see what happens again on Monday and Tuesday of next week. So, folks, have yourself a glorious and grand day. This is Paige. There's my coffee. Oh, Lord Jesus knows I love coffee. And I will see you on Monday. Have a grand and glorious day. Bye-bye. thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.